This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. My name is Kruti Joshi and I am sitting in the ARN building in North Ride with Jonesy and Amanda, the breakfast presenters at WSFM. Hi, guys. Well, hello. hello. Now, you've just gotten off air, so I really appreciate you doing this. That's all right. We're a little bit brain dead the minute we come off air. All our thoughts have just dribbled out of our ears, so good luck. (laughs) We'll try our best. We'll try our best. Okay, so let's start off with the radio ratings. Sydney's new number one breakfast, that seems like a big deal, especially taking over Carl and Jackie O, who's staying in that spot for so long. Yeah, it's it's, it's good. It's always good. But the the thing is, as soon as we ever get to number one, I think, well, that's not going to last. So it's like, <laughs> so you bask. So right now we're in the basking stage, aren't we? Yeah, and it's a great position to be in, isn't it? Mm. And it, we're a classic hit station, so we're not top 40. And a number of years ago, people were thinking that you could never get to number one by being a classic hit station, but the station's been number one for a while. And for us to be number one breakfast after 13 years, we have been number one before, mm, yep. but Carl and Jackie O have had an unbroken run for some time. And we're kind of hoping that we've broken the back of that and that this won't just be an anomaly. That's what we're hoping. Mm. Is it kind of sweet and sour because they are your stable mates? Kiss FM is owned by ARN as well, which is your parent company. Look, we personally like them. We see them in the building. We personally like them. But every show is competitive with each other. Mm. They can't expect us not to be competitive just because we're owned by the same people. Um, do you agree with that, Brendan? I, I, find I haven't never understood the idea of all oh, these stable mates so you shouldn't feel it. You duopolies, know, we're competitive. Duopoly is a heart. You know, in the early days when I was working at uh, Triple M and uh, b Five in Brisbane, the Oz Stereo and um, Village thing was like a real rivalry. And then over the years, you just get used to duopolies. And it's better, I would rather them be in front of us than have, you know, someone else. I'd rather them than an Oz Stereo show. Is that because you rate them as a better show or because you'd rather someone well, in the same the, stable? Same in the same really? company. Yeah, so they, but, but if, like when they were over at Two Day, I, I just wanted to beat them all the time. <laughs> well, we still you know, do. I still want to beat them, but it, it's not as, the sting's not as much. Or the gloat isn't as much. The Maybe gl- that's yeah, the difference. Like, you know, good on you. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, Maybe we, we don't gloat as much because yeah. we like them. Yeah. And they're a good show. You know, they really are. It's, it's, it's quite a, um, it's quite a big deal to beat them because they really are a compelling show. And, uh, it, you know, that's that's why you have to bask because I, I don't know how long we're going to last. Oh, I hope that, you know, own it. Maybe, well, we're, we're, maybe we're the new number ones for the next 10 years. Okay, you know? sure. Well, I'm basking. You enjoy your bask. I'm having a bask. <laughs> well, this is just great to see you guys are just having your own little <laughs> banter here and there and I'm just sitting there as a third wheel. Actually, it's funny. We often just will be in a coffee shop and people say, you really do talk to each other like that. We go, yes, we're exactly the same off air as we are on air, minus the bad time calls. Yeah. Well, in this morning's show, Brendan, you uh, brought up Amanda's Stella feature and asked yeah. a few questions from the listeners. And I, I remember while she was answering, you kept on interrupting and she got a little bit yeah. annoyed. Yeah. And do you think that that was fair enough, Crudy? Whose side were you on during that discussion? Ooh. I think I was busy laughing. Uh, <laughs> I'll sit on the fence on this okay. one. <laughs> it's the nature of our relationship. It's a bit of a pat-pat stab where you go, yeah. wow, isn't this a nice article about you? People have emailed us this morning asking some questions. Then as I attempt to answer them, you'd say, oh, hurry up, this is boring, so it's a stab. So you start mm. with something nice, well, stab, and at the end you go, well, thank you, that's lovely. A little bit. I, I, Amanda sometimes 
goes the full ABC on stuff. Um, you know, Called we're, answering a question. We're commercial radio. We don't have time. It's like this. So you go the true. you'll go the full ABC with this long winded answer, and I'll go. Well, like, come on. No, I think the nature of FM is changing. I think, and mm. I know you're only half serious. I hope when you say those things, because I do think the nature of FM is changing. Um, that we, it's not the eighties with a yeah, get in, get out, and a song. We our content and our connection with each other and with the audience is is what it's about. The conversation that we are generating around uh, with, with our listeners, with everybody. So I think we're allowed a few more words than your training mm. allowed you in the 80s. Well, you know, but I do like the yeah. <laughs> I know. Get in, get yeah, out. Know. Yeah, <laughs> here's You prefer the girl to be monosyllabic. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Don't let the girl speak so much. What happened? You know, this whole <laughs> empowerment thing. What happened to the days where the guy did all the talking and the girl just chuckled away in the background? I think Can't the time's moved on and you've Has just it? stayed in the studio. I, I think so. <laughs> At least you can be charming when you're saying that to him, Crudy. There is many times when I want to cheese grate his face. <laughs> Me. So every time you get a compliment, do you feel like it's going to be, you know, followed oh, up with a, some form of a remark or a absolutely. smirk? Absolutely. Any compliment, I look around to see where he's put the anvil that will land on my head. <laughs> oh, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> I said you look fantastic. And then that. you went on to say, hurry up, Tootsie. Then we went on to demean my intellect by saying, get on with it. This is boring. <laughs> so, you know, it's yin and yang. Sometimes there's more yang than yin. Whichever one we are, I don't even know. (laughs) So the chemistry between you two now is clear, but think back 13 years ago Mm. when you were initially paired together. Can you walk me through what that process was like? Well, it was interesting because I always had a belief that our show would work uh, from those days that I filled in when Andrew Denton was sick at Triple Mm. M and we did a week together. And I'd done enough team shows to know that this one was truly special. And I remember thinking, and I was quite depressed as well because I knew that no one would ever put us together. No one would put our, our show together. Aww. So it took, uh, it took a long time, uh, uh, probably about uh, – from that point, it was probably another four or five years before we actually got to work together here. And in those early days, uh, Amanda and I were good friends, but our chemistry hadn't been fully explored. And Amanda is, is very polite. So I used to sort of, you know, say what I – an over-familiarity, I guess, with her. And people would be outraged because she wouldn't respond. She'd sit there and, you know, look at me like she's looking now. But she'd say, oh, she's, he's my friend. We're just, he's just riffing with me. So people were outraged that I was like, they didn't know of our relationship. So they sent us to a, see a marriage counsellor. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and, and one of the things that came back was, well, if, you know, if you're going to poke her, as it, as it were, <laughs> um, I had to verbalise my response to it. But one of the things... Yeah, you, really, was, you really cashed in on that, didn't but you? But one of the things in the Stella magazine, one of the quotes, and it's on the front of it, was it's, it's boring to be in the position of having to tell the boys, stop being irritating, don't be rude, you can't go and say that, red card. It's a very boring female role. So it is a fine line when you say things deliberately to bait me. Sometimes I just want to let it go through to the keeper because it's you're saying it to bait and I know you are and it's funny, but I don't want to say, oh, you can't say that because that's the most boring role in the world to play. So it's a fine dance that we do and some days we do it better than others. We sometimes say we feel like we're ice skating together and there are days where we run over each other's fingers and other days where we're Torval and Dean, mm. where it just all works beautifully. It all works. So is that the conscious move from you not to play that part of trying to tell your co-host to oh, that's over the line don't say that it, it's not a conscious thing it, I just it just bores me when I hear myself say it all the time and I don't want to be in that position so in a way um, I think you know me well enough now Brendan that that you don't go there too often because 
it's too samey anyway. But you're the one that goes there. No. More often than not, you're the one but that then, will say not, the re- reprehensible thing. Well, that's right. I, I'm the one saying. I don't. That, that's the thing. We haven't had traditional gender roles, and that's what I've loved about this job, is that you don't have the boy opinion and I have the girl opinion and that whole battle of the sexes stuff. Sometimes those things happen, mm. but it, we, it, it, our opinions aren't always along those gender lines. And so that's what breaks up that thing of you being outrageous and me saying, please stop that, you're offending me which I probably never said. I'm probably the most <laughs> offensive person you know. So it's a, it, it's a, it's a, um, when I'd like to think that our show isn't just that one scene mm. and that's what breaks up me ever feeling like that. Fair enough. And Brendan, you did mention the first time you guys were on air together, you you had that feeling like you guys could get along really well on a show, but it was four or five years before you guys were actually paired together. Who do you credit for that pairing? It was me. It was it was pretty much all me, and there's. But uh, I went to management. Um, the co the lady I was doing the show with was leaving uh, in two thousand and four, and I and, and the station we weren't rating very well. The breakfast show wasn't rating, and they said, "How are we going to get to number one? How can we get to number one?" And I said, "Well, if you're serious, you just hire Amanda Keller. Just and I've said this story a thousand times. Just pay her what she wants, get the job, uh, and we will go number one next year. If we if we don't, I'll leave." Because the, the show was – they were already uh, planning to put Wendy Harmer on breakfast with Paul Holmes. Were mm. they? Uh, Here? Yeah. They, they, they were already doing They put Paul Holmes on drive. Uh, the breakfast show I was doing was dreadful and it was rating dreadfully. And uh, and I remember I had this uh, meeting with the management at the time and I said, you guys dragged me out of Triple M, which I loved, which was my passion station, to this horrible hillbilly place. You guys have no idea. You talk about legendary radio, but you have no idea. They had no idea. It was like a country radio station in the middle of Sydney. You really said those words? Yeah. I said, I said look, you've, and, but I said, you guys have contracted me for three years and it's breakfast only. Because the producer, the EP of our show back then, suggested I do a national night show on ARN. And I went off my cracker. I said, I could have been a Triple M doing a national drive show. Why would I be at this loser network at night? And uh, I was so mad. And I just laid it all out on the table. I said, and they said, well, what, 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 what will we do? And I said, well, just get Amanda Keller. Get Amanda Keller and we'll go. If we don't go number one this time, next year, you don't have to honour the last year of my contract. But there I was will. a complication to that in that... Uh, I, I had a newborn baby. I had a three-year-old. I had a, a mm. child that wasn't even three and a newborn. And I was doing a TV show at the ABC where I only had to work two days a week. And if they had renewed that show, I would never have come to radio because I was too. I, I didn't want to be doing both things. So it wasn't as simple as hire Amanda and off we go. Oh, no, look, it, it was just for me. It was the stuff of fantasy. I, I honestly didn't believe we were going to get it because every time I talked to her. I didn't. It was almost like we were on a date. I didn't want to bring up the doing the breakfast show together. It was like, <laughs> and she'd come in once a week, and I had a rotating, uh, I guess, like a, a lazy Susan of lady co-hosts. Uh, Any of them called Susan? No, none were called. But all Su- of them oh, lazy. No, Susie Wilkes. There you go. <laughs> so, and Amanda was the Wednesday girl. And she was <laughs> Pat, on a Pat Wednesday, Stapp. but she was she was head and shoulders above all the other ladies, and the other ladies were fantastic. But I'd also I'd, I'd done breakfast radio yeah. for eight years by then, and you didn't want to and you didn't want to do it. And you made it very clear that you didn't want to do it. And I was thinking, my I used to stand in my house, and I remember looking out uh, my bedroom window when I go to bed, and I'd, I'd, I'd just go, please, just say yes, because then I'll have a job. Because I knew it was that important, and, and where the station was, we were right below everyone. I think we were, you know coming six in a six-horse race. Uh, so it was like every other station was ahead of us and I knew that my time was 
very finite. That scene that you just described of you looking out the window just seems like a very Hollywood movie. Type. I was. I was just. <laughs> like, I, I was, I'd sit, I, Amanda was what was on I Monday, wearing in the yeah. dream sequence? Well, you were on Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were <laughs> doing, off the shoulder. You were doing Monday thing out at the time. You were so. like a soft piano playing in the back. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> she was doing Monday thing out at the time. So I'd watch her on the telly and I'd go, please just say yes. Just say yes. Make this happen. And if, if it does, I'll be good and the show will be great. And, you know, like looking back at it, where we are now is what I, I fantasised about as, as a radio show, as a, this radio station. And, you know, it, it bugs me when someone goes, oh, the good old days of 2WS. And I go, get a tape of 2WS 1996 and put it up against now. It's like they are two different stations. They're, and also the radio in, the radio world has changed. Yeah. There used to be like five stations in Sydney. Now how many are oh, there? There's a billion. Yeah. But, you know, they're, it's they're much more competitive. When, when, when WS went uh, number one, I think, in the, the 90s, it was an F, it, they switched to FM. Uh, but at that time you had, yeah, there was, there was, there was Triple M, Two Day, WS FM. That was it. Three FM stations in Sydney. You and know, Bob Rogers on And AM. Bob Rogers still And he still is. And he's still doing it. So it's, it was really, um, it's, I, I'm, I'm very proud of this place now. It's, it's, it's been, it doesn't feel like we've been doing it for 13 years. So I have three questions to follow up from this whole scenario that you've just said. First one, when you were brutally honest to the management, yes. how did they take it? Uh, look, they... It, it, my first days here were so bad that um, there was like about 100 complaints for this lame joke that I did on air and people were calling for my sacking. And, and, and so it was so terrible and I said to them, just, you know, and the newspaper at the time, it was this lame terrorist hotline call thing that went wrong and uh, they and, and the management at the time knew all about the call. They knew I was going to do it. They'd actually heard it before it went to air. They knew it was a fake call. It was a fake call, and there was three calls, each one getting more ridiculous to the terrorist hotline. And uh, it was all about the Steve Liebman thing, the, uh, the, you know, don't be alert, be alarmed sort of thing, or don't be alarmed, be alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it, it stemmed on that. And, I, and so I had this meeting with these guys, and they're going, well, how are we going to handle this? And I said, just, you know, you guys, you, you, you talk the big game, and they pursued me when I was at Triple M, four times. And, I, and I, each time I said, it was like, first I was polite, but then I was more, more insistent. And I said, and they said, why won't you work here? And I said, because your station is terrible. It's a, it is not the, the station I would want to work at. It's terrible. It's, it sounds terrible. It sounds hokey. You do lost pet announcements on air. You know, it's, it's family fun and it's nothing like me. It's not that. So it was, the management was so used to me sounding off at them. <laughs> that, that they sort of stood there and they, you know... And I've never spent so much time with management as I did in those years. And I was, I was totally expecting them to, you know, get rid of me. I thought, oh, that's it, he'll be gone. But I had a rock-solid three-year deal and I just said, just pay me out, I'll um, go and do something else. But I've never wanted to leave radio until that time. That was the other thing. It was the, probably the hardest, I think, 2003 to 2004, before Amanda started, was my hardest ever uh, time in radio. So even before joining, you knew you had pretty strong opinions about it. So yeah. what made you join? Money. It was money. It was I sold my soul to the devil, and I and that's what I thought. I remember thinking to myself, I've sold my soul to the devil. I've never done this job for money in my life, and then that offer when it came through was uh, three times more than I was getting at Triple M. So you couldn't say no to it. And I remember thinking, this is what happens when you do stuff for greed. I had this real 
real moment of, you know, I, I, my career is going to die here and no one will remember me. I'll never be Doug Murray. I'll never be – I'm just going to fade off into the – like a I like that you remember that next time you're rude to me on air. <laughs> All that was at stake and I came in on my big white horse. You did. You and now day. you sneer at me. You saved the day. So while Brendan takes the credit for bringing you into WSFM, mm-hmm. you can – you, t- you can take the credit for saving his career. Absolutely. Yeah. I should mention oh. that more often. No, but I, I, I totally – I don't think – if it wasn't for Amanda, I, I wouldn't have this – you know, I wouldn't have this. I don't think I could I, – I had such a strong belief for this radio show, working with her in that week, and it was – the chemistry was just amazing just from the first – and I wish I had a tape of that show we did at Triple M together for that week because it was such a great – and it was mainly meant to be one day. Uh, Andrew was sick for one day. And you poisoned him for a whole week. And then it went on for a a, a few more days. And then at the end, uh, Richard Mortlock, who was the producer of the show, he rang me and said, oh, look, you don't need to come in tomorrow. Andrew's Andrew's back. And I was just like, I rang Amanda. I just said, I just want to say that that's the best. I have this crush on you and I just love the radio that we just did. And I just, you know, and she said, who's this? (laughs) No, I didn't. But I just had this and I and I. And I, you said at the same time, I'd love to do a show with you. And I often felt back then you were just saying it to sort of, you know, placate me. Because uh, you could do a show with anyone you wanted. So, you know, to have done this for as long as what we have, it's been pretty Amanda, good. were you just saying it for the sake of it? No, I, I do remember that I really, I, I really liked you. I really liked you. And we knew each other as friends at Triple M. Um, and that week, it was, it's a strange week when you're not doing the show with your normal partner. And I enjoyed doing the show with you. But probably at that point, I wasn't thinking about long-term radio. Because it's the, as opposed to TV and all the other mediums, there's an unrelenting nature to radio. You're up every day. And that can also be the saving of you. Like if you're going through hard things in your life and all those years of IVF that I did and all of that, and I didn't tell anyone, but if you get up in the morning, it doesn't matter what's going on in your head, you turn up at work and work can save you, take you out of your own head. So, um, but with a newborn baby, it, it was it was hard to do to be somewhere every day. When I had a TV opportunity to only do two days a week, um, if they hadn't axed that show, and mm. I'm glad they did, to be honest, this is much better for me than that that show. But if they hadn't axed that show, I wouldn't have said yes to this. And there, the, there's a thousand sliding doors you look back at in your life and serendipity. And luckily for both of us, that we've both you know, landed here and that we still love this job after all these millions of years. All these series of events just kind of landed you both here. Yeah. Now, Amanda, you were telling me you had a series of changes happening in your life, personally and professionally, at that time. So what brought you here? What was it about this opportunity that convinced you, you know, yep, this is right? Um, I think because I liked Jonesy. And I'd worked with Andrew, who's a long-time, long-term friend of mine. Mm. Um, but you said a few words to me, Jonesy, where you said, I promise it won't be hard. And that's what I needed to hear. Because two babies at home, um, and I thought, you know what? I said to my husband, look, I'll do this for two years and we'll put the money aside and there's some school fees taken care of for the future when these children can walk and talk. Um, and I really thought of it in those terms, two years, because I knew I liked radio and I knew I liked you, Brendan. And when you said it won't be hard, you thought, deep breath, I can do this. Let's do it. And yet I just fell in love with the show. You and I just developed this great rapport that often ends with cheese grating our faces. <laughs> but it's just, you, it's the luck of the draw 
that we have this. And we for when uh, Cross the Waves now Kiss FM, but when they were Mix FM, in the time we were doing our breakfast show, I think six or seven breakfast shows came and went. It's very hard to do this job well and to have an audience like you. It's really hard. And so for us to find the chemistry, the stuff we like to talk about, to find an audience liked all of that, it's never been hard. The hours are sometimes a pain in the neck. I don't mind them that much, but there are days we go, ugh. But by and large, I wake up every day and I look forward to coming in. I look forward to seeing your little face. And I don't think you can ask for more than that in a job. So at the time it was, okay, I'll pull a Band-Aid off and do it for a couple of years. Here's this opportunity I can't afford to say no to. But it's become um, a a labour of love after that. So what started off as a two-year thing for you, Amanda, mm-hmm. has snowballed into 13 years of your I know. I'm very bad at maths. <laughs> yeah. she, she actually lives on Jupiter. Where, <laughs> where time is going backwards. I'll be in a nappy before you know it. Oh, wowza. Oh, we all love that. But 13 years on air and th- more, counting, you guys renewed your contract with the company for three more years last year. Mm-hmm. In this time, how has the show changed? Big question to wrap up more than a decade. Um, I think I, I think we've got better. I always feel, I feel that the show is, evolves. It, the radio for me is it's just always learning, um, and and I've been doing it since 1990 and have been gainfully employed the whole time. You know, and uh, it's uh, it's 28 years now. It's been a long long time. But would me. you agree that the radio we do now is looser than when we first started? And 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 the there's a lot of structure that has to go into an mm. hour on radio. There are songs, there are ads, there are news breaks. Between that, we slot in our bits. Um, and what we've been doing lately, and I think we sound better because of it, is we've been breaking down the barriers a little bit and just being looser. And that's hard to allow yourself to do for people like us who mm. kind of grew up in the era of be disciplined Yep. To just trust ourselves to float with it a bit more is what I think in the last year has made us better. To occasionally forget you're on the radio, but in a good way. So you have to have all that discipline. You have It's like if you're a jazz musician or whatever. You have to learn all the structure so you can chuck it away. And I think we're at the chuck it away stage, but in a good way. A good would, you, would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I think so, yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I like uh, I listen to a, get to listen to our podcasts a bit, uh, which is good. And I sort of do that when I'm cooking dinner at night, and I will listen to other shows, podcasts, and I, and I just always think I, I come back and and this is and I'm the, probably our hardest critic out of anyone, but I always come back and I, I think yeah, I like that. I, that really worked. That bit really worked. Our bits, our show has a lot of production in it, but you don't notice it. It's um, it's it's there. But it's it's just so understated, uh, and more so I think than any other radio show in in Sydney in, in Breakfast. No other show has the amount of different production elements that we have, and I like it. I like you know when we have a guest on, we have a subtle intro musically for them. There's there's just a million little uh, idiosyncrasies that make our show hmm. different to every other show, and that's the formula that I think a lot of them would kill for. A lot of them go, well, how do you get that? You know, and I, we've got it. So that's really cool. But when, when people ask us, and we get asked a lot, what we do, and we've got a new boss this year who we love, but when he first started, he'd say, how do you do what you do? And we can't explain it. It's like muscle memory. If you try and break down what it is, if you unpick it, I don't know if you can stitch it back together again. So we just, by now, that's what I mean, is we, we're building on the muscle memory uh, of what we've done all these years and just being freer with it. Because if we start to think too hard about what it is we actually do, I think we'll we'll get the yips and we won't know what we're doing. We're being freer with our muscle. 
do you think? They said all you heard was the word muscle because you thought it sounded like groin. <laughs> no, I didn't say I that. know exactly what you're yeah. thinking. You guys have both had long radio careers. I was talking to a radio presenter and um, they told me you haven't had a radio career unless you've been fired once mm. or have come close to being fired. Mm. Have there been any incidents like that in your careers? I've come. I, in my first job, I got a, a warning uh, in the first uh, uh, three weeks I was there uh, for something I said on air, but that was it. And then short of uh, no, and when I first started here, there was like a the, – but the newspapers were saying would I get the sack, but the management at the time and to their credit stood by me. They were very, very much wanted to hang on. So I've, I've been very lucky. I've been very, very lucky as far as that goes. With me, it was more a timing thing. So uh, I was doing the breakfast show with Andrew Denton at Triple M. Then Andrew left and I did a show with Mikey and with Peter Burner. And then while I was on maternity leave the second time, just before Mr Jones came a calling, how interesting, that – uh, they decided they were going to bring in The Cage, which was a Melbourne breakfast show, and they're going to go national. So there was n- really no place for me. Actually, it was quite a devastating end for me. I'd been at Triple M for all those years. I'd pretty much given birth, not on air, but it, people still to me, so my son is 17, people mm. still say, I remember when he was born. It's a huge thing to share with an audience. And I felt I, I, I was seared with this audience. We were rusted on together. And then they just said, well, you know, we're wrapping it up. And it kind of suited me, but it was kind of insulting where suddenly a national show, to see out my contract after maternity leave, I went in once a week for a couple of months. And then my very last day, they said, well, um, because it was broadcasting to Melbourne as well, you may not know Amanda Keller, but uh, she's leaving today. And I thought all those years where... I was everything with the audience and audience was everything with me was reduced to, well, you may not know her, but off she goes. Mm. And I just thought that they threw away the heritage. And that's the beautiful thing about radio is the connections that you make. And they, I felt they didn't appreciate that connection because it was a new regime. Um, so it suited me then to, well, how good's this? I've got a baby and a toddler. I'll just work on television one day a week, two days a week, until Mr Jones came calling and wrecked everything. Mm. So you've lived your life with your listeners because I guess a part of the FM radio nature is that you give a bit of yourself in order for your audience to open up with you. How hard is that? Because, for example, you told your listeners this morning about your son's oh, sandwiches. sick. And you also mentioned that he's not going to be particularly impressed by that. It's a very fine line that that you tread, and I'm normally pretty good at it. I found a whole lot of stuff in the bottom of his school bag, and I took a photo of it, and I said, would you mind if I put this on Instagram? And he said, please don't. So I respected that, but I found myself this morning talking about it. And I tested my husband and said, was Jack in the car? Did he hear this? And he said, yes, he's pretty gloomy. He said, you said you wouldn't do that. I hate myself. But you didn't say to him, you said you wouldn't put it on Instagram. You didn't say, you didn't mention the other the other vessels that you can talk about but having said that this is a fundamental thing he has to be able to trust that he can live his life without me doing this on the other hand if he wants a nice holiday at christmas exactly this is my job (laughs) and we have to do it It, you know it is a it is a hard thing in that regard and that's often what we unlike people who work on breakfast television or people who have other shifts on radio that is a big part of your job and you have to be prepared to do it you do it is a big deal to have to talk about your life and you have to have your own 
rules with it. And my friends, if they say something, I'll say, this is cone of silence. And then I'll say, if I change your name, can I use it? But I would never do it without their permission. It, it, it is. It's hard. And I've had, uh, with my own kids, I've had like uh, from bad trombone playing for my daughter to her messy room, which I've not only just done on the radio, I've also done it on Husey's. We've got a problem. Uh, and there is repercussions for it. You know, I remember my eldest son when he was young, he was at school and uh, someone came up to him and he says, yeah, you're, um, you're not your dad's favourite son. The, the youngest <laughs> one is. And Morgan's sort of standing there and said, what do you mean? I heard him talking about it on the radio. He said, oh, he oh what's his name in the other one? But my favourite one is the young one. You know, and I was joking. But, you know, it's that you, you do pay a price for it. And I've often said to them, you know, I, I, and I know exactly what you're going through. I always feel anxious about how they'll, you know, because you go home and you say... He's too old for me just to buy him Lego and make up now. <laughs> buy him some more Lego. I might buy him some Lego. Buy what? a 15-year-old some Lego. So Here are you, you still go. convincing your son that you're not nah, well, partial? He's a, well, he's 25 now, so he's, uh, he's, <laughs> he accepts it. And he, does, does, he accepts he's not the he's, most loved. No, he's... he's uh, but, the, but the thing is, like, he doesn't hear it in the context, so it, there's nothing worse when someone passes on the information. Mm. Oh, I heard him bagging you on the radio today. Like, my wife gets it all from, because she doesn't listen to the show a lot. <laughs> So she'll say, oh, your husband was bagging you out on the radio because you don't cook or, you know, do anything. Um, and so she'll, she'll say, I'm sick of you doing this to me. But I say, if you actually listen to the bit, it's funny. So that's the that's the whole part of it. That's what you've got to... I think your son's very forgiving. I'm about his age and if my mum did that, I'll yeah. hold it against her yeah, till he date. Does, he does. Yeah, he, you he, think he's, he's forgiving. He, he just... Did. He cashed Polishing in on it for a the long knives. time. He cashed <laughs> it on for a long Scratching your name in a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, in your time at WSFM, how do you think the radio landscape in Sydney has evolved? It's it's one of the most competitive markets in the country. Do you mm. feel mm. that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, – and, and I feel for any new shows starting because I, I, I think it was easier for us when we started. We had a little bit more uh, time to find our feet. I think what's happened – when you look what's happened over at 2Day FM with the, a lot of the shows that are coming through there, they're all shows that are, are good – but um, the problem is they're up against better shows, and that's the and that's not saying that we're great, but it's just it's very hard to get people to change their listening habits. So it's really in that aspect it's competitive. Every day I always go in and I think how can we stay number one? How can we be number one? And you know you know that that's not possible because you're going to only be number one for a little while and then it's not true. See, well, look how defeatist you are. I'm not defeatist. <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm realistic. You know, it's a, a, a our 18 to 24s are very high at the moment. <laughs> We're number one 18 to 24s, and I think well, that can't last. You know, that's that's crazy. Were you surprised by that? I was. Uh, yeah, I was. I was. It was. You know, so to, to for us and the formula for ratings, without being too boring, is like if you can get two demos, key demos, up in those, uh, uh, you know, up above 14, you'll you'll be number one. Alan Jones, for example, in Breakfast, he's 33 and 65 plus. So that's all his audience, though, he's, but he's 33. So I think 18 to 24s are about 15 and uh, then 40 to 54 are about 16. So together we're in the 30s uh, and, and, and that's why we're killing it. That's why, but, it, you know, that could be an anomaly. The 18 to 24s could be an anomaly, as we've been told. So, Do you think the radio ratings are inaccurate... It's how if we comment on that, we get in terrible trouble. Well, I, I think they're the best that we can. That's we, right. We if, can we, if we actually lit, uh, legally, if we talk too much about ratings, 
Or is it also off air? We're fine. Oh, yeah, off air. Is this all right? Yeah, it's all right. Because every time you talk about them, we have to well, go down and have another <laughs> lecture. Well, it is. I tell you what, it is frustrating because I remember one time uh, we had a, a someone from um, AC Nielsen come around to do a radio survey book, mm. and my wife was there. And he goes, "Well, my husband works in radio," and they said, oh, "It doesn't matter." And he came in and it was explaining. And this is when uh, after the household flooding, I think, or whatever they used to call it, and they give to the person that's having a birthday. They said, who's the next person having a birthday? And he said, well, my son, uh, he's turning 18. And the guy who's dropping the book goes, well, your son will probably listen to Two Day FM. So he put a little sticker and next to it. starts getting the sticker and putting it there. I'm thinking, hang on, you're leading the witness. What if he's, he doesn't listen to Two Day FM? You should just give the book and not explain... So there is, there, there is, I believe, a little bit of a, oh, of course there a is. muddying of the waters. The hard thing is, particularly for breakfast radio, that people don't just listen one place. Some are at work, some are at home, some are in the shower. Around the world, they've tried to find other ways to, to do the ratings. At the moment, it's a diary, but, you know, they've experimented with you where if you're in the ratings, if you're part of that group that time you wear something on your wrist that records what you're listening to but it's it's who's you're going to take that off when you're in the shower you know it's too mm. intrusive so there are hard, it's very hard thing to monitor but um, that's all we've got. And so when the ratings go your way, you go, what a brilliant system. Yeah. And then when you tank it, you go, what a flawed system. It's a terrible system. <laughs> yeah. got but you only well. get eight a year. It's not like TV where every day you can get ratings every week. We get eight ratings a year. So that's really hard. So then they say they need to look at trends rather than having knee-jerk reactions. A trend can be half a year. And if you're trending well, brilliant. And if you're trending badly, mm. you have to wait it out for months and it's so hard. Fair. Mm. I'm still trying to wrap my head around everything that's been said. Yes, uh, mm. me too. Actually, I'm glad <laughs> we should do a podcast on this and I can listen to it. Back. And then you can get <laughs> in trouble and we'll reminder. get the people from the ratings to come and lecture us again. <laughs> no, but we, I think we've said all the right yeah. things. Are they long lectures? Oh, yes. No. There's, well, you know, we, there's been a couple of times. Don't dad, even right? go into it. No. And it's all your fault. <laughs> you guys have been doing breakfast radio for so long. Um, one thing that I get told over and over again is the early morning alarms. When do you catch up on your sleep? Are you sleeping in until like 10, 11 on your weekends? I've lost the art of a sleep in. I oh. can't do it. So even if I, I, I went out on Friday night with some girls from school, from my old school, and I got home at 1 and I still woke up at 6 o'clock. Or five thirty. Oh. So I love the afternoon sleep on a weekend. I try and plan my weekend if I'm going to out or whatever to have the afternoon sleep, because I you just can't catch up by a sleep in. Are you a sleeping in person? No, no. My sleep in would be about seven, but I have an afternoon sleep uh, in the in the day. That, yeah. That's really helped me. I think. Because um, I just don't think you could do do it. Otherwise. I'm always shocked that people don't. Yeah. If I've got filming and things and long days, I just do that. But on the days that I can, I'd have a, a sleep. Otherwise, you have to go to bed at seven or seven yeah. thirty, and that's hard. You start to go crazy. You know, in Guantanamo mm. Bay, they, sleep deprivation is one of their number one torture methods. I know, but their time and, calls were brilliant. <laughs> they're like, but you go crazy. I often find when we're on, when I'm on holidays, and I'm not doing these hours, I all the things that are, are the irrational fears that I have about anything are, are gone. It's like any of those, you know, things that I'll sweat, small things, small career things I'll sweat. When I'm on holidays, I go, what was I worried about that for? Yeah, and, and I do that with the comes, family. I'm not racing them to finish their dinner so I can stack a dishwasher and I can blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I, I'm a different person on holidays. And there will come a time when I want to be that person all the time. Mm. And Amanda, you're talking about your busy schedule and long days of filming. I was just thinking, I saw you on the living room the other day. I watched an episode. I'm just thinking, she wakes up really early in the mornings, does this show on a weekly basis, which I guess you shoot earlier that mm -hmm. day. Um, 
And then, as if that wasn't enough, you've picked up another show, Dancing with the Stars with Grant Denyer. Well, the, How are you going to do this? Well, The Living Room this year was 42 episodes. Next year, I think it'll be 36 or something, so it'll be slightly less. But it's two hours live TV, and it was the live component that I thought, oh, I love the idea of doing that. And it's a, a run that'll probably go nine, ten weeks, something like that. Mm. Not 19 weeks, nine or ten weeks. So um, I felt that, I, and I asked the family, I always do that before I sign on for those other things and I thought it's something I'd really like to do um so the living room will appreciate that I'll have these you know whatever um but it's live and it's done and it's not long days of filming it'll be live bang and then you're home and I love that what idea. What about the preparation that goes in before and after the show? Though? There will be that, sure. And I, I, I figure that there'll be a couple of busy days and I'll just have afternoon sleeps the rest of the week. I'll work, my, I'll work around it. It's kind of like a, a muscle now. I'm used to it. I want to talk to you at the end of next year and see, see how, how I you're feel. doing. Yeah, I've already planned gone. my holiday for the middle of next year. Yeah. <laughs> but I, li- I like being busy. I don't like being stressed, but I like being busy. So I think if I can be busy without the stress, then that's a really good state for me. So I'll let you know how the stress levels mm-hmm. are going. I look forward to that update. <laughs> um, Acro Awards this year, be- best on air team once again. Mm. Um, what are your feelings like? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like we've won a, a few. Um, I don't know. No, no, I don't know I, either. I, I feel right like now, I, when you started asking that, I thought, yep, I think we'll do it. No, no, I'm fine. Really? No, no, we're not going to. No, no, we're not going to win. Aren't we? I feel that. I don't know. I just don't know. Or is it just one of those feelings where you feel no all the time and then it actually calls out? It's probably, we both probably feel it's safer to think like that. So we've talked ourselves into thinking yeah. that. Yeah. But then you'll get there and you think, oh, we're going to win. We're going to, and then you don't win. And, and then you the, go, we'll do. We're never going to win. <laughs> and then the one time when I thought we were going to win, um, uh, and then, then I thought we weren't going to win, I was so confused. And then we won. And I was like, just shocked in the end. Mm. So it's, uh, that was our first one. That was like a, you know, that mm. was just a, it's a real slog. It's always nice to win, though. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And in the old days, it used to be breakfast shows, and now it's breakfast shows versus drive shows mm-hmm. versus – so it's a it's a wider pool. So actually, to be nominated means more, I think, than it used to. Would you agree with that, Brendan? Yeah, yeah. I think it's – but I've always said it's, it's been a big deal to be nominated. Oh, sure. But if it's five breakfast shows being compared, that's different to a couple of breakfast shows, a couple of drive shows, a couple of shows that are on in Melbourne. You know, it's, it's a mixed bag, and so that's why it's hard to predict mm. how we'll go. Mm. Mm. It's like how to predict what Amanda will wear on the night. That's easy. Flannelette. Will you be showing side anything? Oh, no. <laughs> side bulls was last year. Maybe side bum this year. It's a bit of side bum. <laughs> bit of side bum. Well, you did that unintentionally when you tucked your skirt in your <laughs> I go side nostril. Hard to tell. So look. <laughs> Brendan, Amanda, I know you guys have a tight schedule, so I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was another Media Week podcast. Find us online at mediaweek.com.au, also on Twitter and Facebook at Media Week AUS. And we're still here. Brendan, turn off the button. Go. No, they love this too much. (laughs) 